0: Thank you guys great to sing with all of us and thank you all for leading us up here we're gonna take a look at Hebrews chapter 13 so if you would open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13 <coughs> I wanted to say a couple things uh, to get us into this but before I do that um, I just want to say thank you for those of you who are visiting thank you guys for coming all of you for being here um, we have uh we are a church that has two campuses this is our west campus and we have an east campus on the east side of town and um our east campus where i pastor along with uh with uh, my co-pastor dan brown we've been in a season of prayer and discernment to figure out our way forward Um, that has not concluded yet today is the is the deadline for our folks but I don't know about you, if you have any friends on the east side, will you just call them and say, hey, will you get your work done and tell the pastors what your decision is? We're still waiting to hear from about a quarter of our congregation on, uh, on the decisions that we're looking at as we go forward. Um, so th- that, that's my ask of you is to nudge them and certainly continue for all that the Lord's doing through Front Range Alliance Church. Uh, just continue to pray and seek Him. Um, I think there's uh, a lot to be excited about, though I don't say that having any idea what comes beyond this week. Um, the elders are going to meet on Thursday, and we're going to kind of look at where we think the Lord's leading, and uh, and see what comes out of out of that meeting as well. So we're looking forward to that. We would ask your prayers for us there. Um, this morning we're going to look at the first six verses of Hebrews chapter 13. Next week we'll, we'll finish up um, and use the second half here of Hebrews 13 as our passage, or at least most, most of it. This morning as we get into these six verses, you're going to find that like with most books or letters in the New Testament, the author switches gears and he, he moves from things that maybe he was saying very specifically to the audience he was writing to, and in this case, a message of, remember, you have been made perfect in Jesus Christ. Everything we've sung, everything we walked through with the beauty of of the Lord's table this morning reminds us that not by our work, but by Jesus' work, we have been made whole. We have been perfected. Not according to the way that that people walk on the streets not according to the things we hear uh in in music or on shows or in movies but in the most important way in the way that god looks at us and says you have been made like my son you have been washed clean and i have brought you into my family for all of us who trust in jesus christ who confess our sins and repent and desire to change of those things We walk in a newness of life. So I love that we had communion first to set the gospel in front of us and also as Cam led us through that to remind us it's not just coming to faith but it's walking in the faith. It's not just coming to the Lord's family but it's walking in a way that says I'm with my dad. I'm with him. And I'm gonna walk in a way that represents him and all that he stands for and all that he does. And so as we get to the close of this book, though the author has labored to say, you are perfect, keep walking through your tribulations with him, now he's going to give some general admonitions. And by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, these come through loud and clear for us. And here's how I want you to approach this. Whether you read these in advance or whether you're going to hear them just refresh for, the, for, for you know, more recently here as I read it, this and put this passage in front of us, I'd like you to think this way. I want us to kind of take an inventory. These are just going to be kind of clear, like this is what the Lord expects of us. This isn't everything. But it's kind of one of those bullet point lists that says this is what we ought to be looking at in our lives. So just sort of take inventory, take temperature, and say how are we doing? We'll go verse by verse as we work through this. But let me put this passage in front of us. And then we will walk through it together. Hebrews 13. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me? Father, I thank you for your word thank you for your spirit who inspired it for this author so many years ago and for the audience it was written to and I thank you Holy Spirit for working in our hearts shine light in any places where we need to take a step further into obedience to you shine a light in any areas that might be led by fear rather than faith Not because this earns our salvation or your approval, we have that because of the work of Jesus, but our motivation be because we want to show the world who you are as part of our worship. Will you use the words uh, as I share them and just make use of them in the hearts and minds of all of us? I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The author starts with this simple verse of let brotherly love continue. The idea here is, um, and it's interesting, we have some guys from Philadelphia here, and and then Jordan is the misplaced Philadelphia Eagles fan. Um, Maybe not the only one, Uh, being from Michigan myself. There's there's a lot of ex-people form from other places who come here to Colorado as we get wise and see the promised land. <clears throat> Even if we still root for teams back in the home country. The word that's in this first verse is Philadelphia. And you've probably heard it before. It is, it is the, the combination of love for the brother. Love for the family is, is what we're getting at. It's, it's a word that is a little bit different than what we hear of and what's associated. When we read of the love that we are often to have for one another. And what Jesus and our Father has for us is usually agape. But in the Greek, they, they, they have a few different words that come through as love for us. The significant is not drastic here, but the emphasis is that the author chose the word Philadelphia to emphasize the family relationship of the people of God. He could have, he could have said, as Paul often does He could have used the word agape. In fact, in some places, you'll find both of these words, practice brotherly love. And then he adds a little bit, Paul will, and he'll include that word agape. And you see that what is intended, the outcome, is this others-centered, others-minded life. But again, as he says, let brotherly love continue. The continue is they must have already been practicing this. And the brotherly part is the family element. As I've been looking at, studying, praying through this passage this week, uh, I can't get away from the element of family. That this is so much the picture of the Christian church, that we operate like a family. And some of you are like, we do. A dysfunctional family. Family. Just like my family back in Detroit or Philly or wherever you're from. Right? We all need to have the crazy uncles, right? All right? So if you're the crazy uncle in here, just raise your hand and we'll. Yeah, I knew we'd. Brandon, thank you. You're the only one willing to admit it. The rest of us are like, it's not me. I'm normal. We're like a family. And that distinguishes us from other institutions that God has created or that we have created. That's not a bad thing. There's things that we do. There's things in which we operate that we apply biblical principles to. One of them is the area of economics and business. There are Christian values, honesty, justice, fairness, equality in how we treat everybody that come through in, in business. But the church is not a business. The church ought never have been a business, and it certainly shouldn't be a business now. There are bills to pay. That is absolutely true. And when we join a local church, this is the importance of coming to those not often sought after but necessary family meetings. That's what we call them because it's a family, but then we smuggle in the business agenda into those family meetings. But it's... The budget is important. It's part of our family. But we do not look to the budget to tell us what to do. The budget is important, but the budget isn't what tells us about tomorrow. Could there be a day when things need to change because the money just isn't there? Absolutely. And this, I don't don't really know the finances here, but if we ever had to sell the building, would that be the end of the world? no there's nothing about this building that indicates jesus's return jesus's happiness jesus's unhappiness with what we're doing our call as the church is to practice love for one another in such a way that we look different from those outside of the family and we do look different all right so we'll just admit that like i look different but value wise We are to look like the love our father has for us, our brother Jesus has for us. The very fact that we can call the God of the universe father and his son brother and be filled by his spirit sends us in a direction that is absolutely others-minded, others uh, uh, living for, others prayerful. And so that ought to distinguish the work we have. That's the opening line that the, that the writer gives to us here in, 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 as he starts uh, what we call chapter 13. And now he's going to walk through a few things that I think are going to unpack this. Like, what does this look like? Just give me a little more, okay? Practice brotherly love. And he's going to tell us a little bit more. And so let's look at these, and we'll go one by one. And we'll see what this means what does it mean for us to practice this verse 2 do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unawares there are a few things that are we need to unpack just in this verse one of them is the the interesting word that then gets 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 brought in here for the idea of hospitality. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers is one word in the Greek. And it's phileo, or, or like the Philadelphia, it's the, it's the love for the stranger. The love for the stranger is the one word that sits behind this phrase that we have here. One of the things that the family of God that we as believers and we at Front Range Alliance Church should just check and see how we're doing, is how are we doing at loving the stranger? In the ancient world, let me go there, in, ter- in terms of the culture that this author would have been writing to, hotels, motels, they were around. There were public places where someone could go as they were traveling, and they could stay at what something like a hotel. They could pay money. But it was understood in the greco-roman world that those were generally not safe places to stay you do not stay there unless that is the absolute last place you want to stay or unless you intend to enter into the to, to the unseemly sort of business that might be going on there so that wasn't so much an option it's not that they didn't have that as an option it's just that it wasn't the sought-after option our culture of course is very different we go online with a few clicks of a button. We can find out how, what the price is for any city we want to stay in. Then we can look at all the reviews. I'm so thankful for those people who write reviews. I never take time to write a review, but thank, I, I think I do thank the Lord for those people who write reviews. Because then, I, you know, you get things. They actually go through and they check the boxes. Was the pool heated? That matters to me because I have kids. Did the hot tub work? I'd just like to know that kind of thing. Was the neighborhood safe? Like, what, what, were, were things clean? Were they kept up? All these sorts of things. In the ancient world, of course, those things didn't come nearly as quickly or as easily. Places had reputations. Towns had reputations. They knew if they were going somewhere who was, that was large, that was small, that was medium-sized, or whatever might be there. But the thing that Christians looked for was to host someone in their house, not only, but especially other Christians. If somebody from the family, the family of God, was traveling through town, the Christian duty was to open their house and let them in, let them stay there. I think, honestly, this might be a value that still is a bit embedded in, in Eastern cultures. And I'll just say that just very simply, Eastern versus a Western. Ours is so individualistic that, that, that our job is, is to actually say, I think you'd be actually be more comfortable at a hotel. You probably would be more comfortable at a hotel than my house. My wife and six kids. Like We will entertain you. Like, something will happen. We, we will love on you. Our six chickens, our dog, and currently we're babysitting a rabbit. Things will happen at our house. You might prefer the Holiday Inn, all right? Maybe love looks a little differently. And I, and I bring that that. That is a reality, and that is okay. That truly might be a good way to love somebody. So what does it mean if I'm saying it's okay to stay at a hotel instead of us to open up our houses. Here's what I want to say, this idea of hospitality, this love for the stranger. Let me consider some other things we can do that I think show the love of our Father, even if it doesn't look exactly like the way it was practiced here, or might be practiced still in other parts of the world. I'm going to preface it with this. If God didn't love strangers you and i would not be in his family if god didn't love his enemies you and i would not call him father and so from it's that it's that big it's this big idea that we get as we read through the scriptures this glorious message that we so we we simply and rightly call the good news it's that that informs how you and i operate how we open our house how we open our lives and even as we move down through this don't don't let the love of money god how we open our wallets to help those who are around us so if you'll allow me just to just just to sort of expand or think about with you and, and, and you might have other ideas on where to go and i encourage you talk to others talk to your small group there might be things the lord puts on your heart on this idea of loving the stranger. Loving other family members or loving people you don't know at all. First, a few things maybe close by. What's your relationship like with your neighbors? Your, your literal neighbors, your real neighbors? Some of you are like, oh, don't go there. I, I don't know. I haven't talked to them in years. I find that to be true between neighbors neighbors on my street I have to sometimes check and see okay if we invite you over and you have like when's the last time you guys have talked like is everything okay can we invite all you know you all over before we get into a little different situation than I intended when we invited that can be a very simple way to open up your house to practice love of stranger is to bring people from that 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 category of stranger slowly practically without overwhelming them but 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 carefully prayerfully bringing them from stranger to maybe acquaintance maybe to friend and we can practice that with those around us some of you know you know your neighbors you are blessed by your neighbors you care for one another you watch out for each other i have neighbors like that and i'm grateful some are followers of jesus and some aren't but these are people that i trust and i'm grateful for that what does it look like for you to maybe open up your house a little bit and have people over there's a book by rosaria butterfield called the gospel comes with a house key and it's her efforts to be hospitable, to practice hospitality, this idea of opening up her life and her home to people in her neighborhood. I would encourage you to take a look at that and read through that. She, she wrestles with the idea of how the gospel, the God who invites strangers into his family uh, and adopts us into his family, um, does this and, and therefore some pra- then some practical ways that she has put into practice that I think are, are, are both doable and doable. And, uh, and available to us. And at least might get the juices flowing. But it can go up, up from there. What are other ways that we can in- invite strangers? Oh, a stranger might be a missionary. Who's back on furlough visiting us. You all see that. We see the emails that go out. Hey, one of our missionaries is coming through. They need a car for a week. They need a place to stay. Hospitality. Love of stranger, stranger to us maybe haven't met them before. But opportunity to love on another family member, a brother and sister, brother or sister, in the family of God. One of the ways I, I want to I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna, I'm going to leave a few gaps in here for you to fill in and just think about ways. As we take inventory, kind of a, a life inventory, okay, Lord, how am I doing in, in these areas? And I I just ask the Spirit again, shine light, show us if there's areas in which we can grow. Let me jump from a, a few of those little things that we can do, very practical. Um, um, Operation Christmas Child might be a way... That, to, to, to send a box of, of love and the gospel over to somebody else. Uh, that, that maybe sort of sends somebody a gift. Does it fit un, under this? Is it love for a stranger? I, I think so. Um, I'm going to smuggle all sorts of things under here, and we're going to find something we can do. I think one of, the, one of the farthest ways we can reach into this and practice the love that our Father has shown to us is through foster parenting and adoption um, what a significant role we can play in opening up our lives and our homes and I know we live in a fallen world that's not always a perfect situation not on either side I'm not saying that but as followers of Jesus Christ who called us to love the orphans who calls us to love strangers And in a very real sense, a way that does include opening up our house, our homes. What a significant opportunity there is. I have heard that if, and and this, uh, forgive me, I'm pulling a stat here that I, I haven't actually thought about for some years. But I have, I've heard that if every church, not every family that goes to church, but just every church would foster a kid in Colorado, we would clear the role in no time. We, would, we have more churches than we do kids on the foster role. Now, I think that data might be a couple years old, so forgive me if I'm wrong. I hope I'm not. I hope it hasn't gone the other way. I hope we don't have less churches, and I hope we don't have more kids that, that are in the foster system. But the, the idea is there's something really practical that can be done. I know that's a huge step. But if there's any place that ought to put it on the table, it's the church. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Just briefly, if your mind, if, if, if you had a good Sunday school teacher, if you were brought up in a church, you know this goes back to Abraham. And he's sitting at the door of his tent in the heat of the day, probably relaxing from his work, taking a little break in the heat of the day. And he sees three strangers coming towards him. And he gets up and he starts hoofing it multiple times in Genesis 18 and Genesis 19. We read uh, first how Abraham went, ran to greet them, then ran back to his tent to tell Sarah, make some bread. He went out to to the pasture to grab a calf and to butcher it and to prepare it. And then he came and he put the food, the feast in front of his three strangers and he watched them eat. He was so thrilled, so predisposed, so ready to entertain strangers. You can go back to Genesis 18. You can read that. you You can read about the angels, the two angels of the Lord who went on down into Sodom and Gomorrah and rescued Lot and his family from that, and the angels entertained by Lot through his hospitality. Are we that predisposed? to see a need and to open up we can use caution we don't have to give every last penny away so that we in turn need money from somebody else we're not called to do that but are we pushing back on our culture that says just go for comfort just go for individualism just make your life you be happy are we practicing hospitality verse three, remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Culturally, what was going on here? Probably, knowing the book of Hebrews, they had already experienced persecution because of their faith, so this is very likely that they have brothers or sisters who are in prison because of their faith, or because of the implications of their faith, how they lived it out, whether they obeyed uh, the, the, the the, assuming this was in a kind of, again, the Greco underneath the Roman authority, that they disobeyed that, uh, the Romans, and then they end up in prison. In, in that world, like there has been in some places in our own world, the prisoners aren't taken care of unless people from the community go and bring them simple things, food, clothing, uh, just even that personal touch, the visit, to come and see them. Remember those who are in prison. Remember being a key word. Have you ever been somewhere where you're like away It kind of felt lost, forgotten? Have you ever gone through something where you felt like people didn't know what was going on with you and and, and the, the thing you wanted the most was just to know, don't forget me. Don't forget me. I worked for an organization, Summit Ministries, great organization, I highly recommend it to you. And we started a program, it's based here in Manitou Springs, and we started a program a number of years ago that I got to run uh, down in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. It's it's a, a wonderful drive, you go over a couple mountain passes, but what seemed to happen between Manitou Springs and Pagosa Springs was we got to run a program and 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 with very little connection back to manitou springs this is kind of how we operated we were like okay let's go after this let's get this done i would call back periodically and just say hey we're all still alive they would say okay great great press on then there was prayer and there was some support but it it's interesting just in there was something about that experience where I noticed, one, the intimate community we had in our, in our conference ministries happening here in Manitou Springs, and then the difference it felt when I moved from Manitou Springs and we ran a conference down in Pagosa Springs. There just wasn't a lot of connection. And I, I would say, I did find myself sometimes saying, man, I wish somebody would just call. It wasn't an awful situation. It was probably some of me just being like, oh, I could use a little support. I'd usually pick up the phone and give them a call at that point. We supported a, a missionary who worked in Sudan, and this was uh, during some of the worst of the civil war—the long, long, long uh, civil war happening between the north and the south um, in Sudan. Generally, uh, Christians in the south—not uh, not totally or entirely—and um, and so the mission—the missionary would go into southern Sudan. He would preach the gospel, and he'd have these rallies, these prayer meetings, these Bible sessions with them there and it was interesting what he would come back to us with is he would say please tell our brothers and sisters in the West and in the United States what's going on we just don't want to be forgotten if you've ever been anywhere where you felt forgotten then that word remember maybe we'll jump off the page you can imagine as, as, as this person is writing to these, the recipients, the Christians of this letter. Hey, remember those who are in prison. Remember those. These are people who can't get up and come see you. You've got to go see them. Remember them because they might not even, they might not even have the food they need if not you bringing it to them. Remember them. Remember them. They're in prison. They're stuck there. They're being mistreated. He puts these two ideas together. We can be mistreated apart from being in prison. We can experience that. Uh, They could experience that. But nonetheless, he puts these ideas together and says, remember them. It looks a little bit different now, but let me just give two applications to this that we can think about. One is uh, our prison ministry. You all in this church have a wonderful ministry to women in some of the facilities, or one of the facilities down south of here. It's not so much in our culture that right now we have people going to prison just because they're Christians, but we do have Christians who are in prison. We do have brothers and sisters who are in prison. Either because of a crime they committed, that's where they ended up, or they became Christians, welcomed into the family, strangers, but now in the family who are in prison. They can't come sit with us on Sundays. And so what a blessing for us to remember them and to go visit them to let them know you are connected. The family is bigger than what you're able to see as you walk through the the cells and the yard and and just you've got the fence around you, but you're not forgotten. What an opportunity. Hopefully COVID doesn't keep that shut down, but that can open back up. I know we've got a a gentleman at our East Campus who is very active and has been for years in a, in a ministry up north in sterling colorado to a, a medium and then maximum security prison up there where he takes the gospel in and goes and sits and and leads a small group and he's like what stories we share around that table and how deep the father's love goes around that table remember those who are in prison a prison ministry might be something for you to get involved in and a practical way for you to step into this. Remember those who are mistreated. This is a little bit of a, of, of a step for us. There are all sorts of ways for people to be mistreated. Here, I wanna kinda keep it under the guise of could somebody be mistreated because they have a Christian faith. I think Jack Phillips, a baker um, up near Denver is probably you know, our closest and certainly one of the national examples Of somebody that just because he held to the teachings of jesus christ has gone through all sorts of persecution it is unfortunate that those who are against him worked out their what they called their campaign of hate to call his shop over and 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 over over again tell him how much they hated him, tell him what a bad person he was. Eventually, to, to um, uh, with death threats, um, his daughter, his granddaughter often do their homeschooling there, so when a death threat comes in, it's a pretty significant issue. I suppose it's pretty significant for any of us. It wasn't just the first round because he wouldn't make a cake for a same-sex celebration. But now he wouldn't make one for a transgender celebration either, and so that continues. Our goal is not to jump into a campaign of hate. Not when our father loves enemies like you and me. If he takes us into the family, he might take anybody into his family. And so our job is to show the loving kindness of of our Father, so we don't do what we see other people doing. And I'm grateful that Jack Phillips didn't do that either. He said he got so used to talking to these people on the phone that he would just kind of hold the phone back a little bit. They would kind of go through their angry spiel, and then he would stop and see if they're still there, and then he'd say, hey, what's your name? A few times, he actually got to share the gospel with people. How might the Lord be changing somebody's day? when they intended to call Jack and be super angry and then hear about the loving kindness of God Almighty. Can you reach out to Jack? Can you reach out to somebody like that? Is I don't think that's going to become less of a thing. It might become more of a thing. Um, down the road, this is something we'll have to consider, not when it's a vaccine issue, but when it's a faith issue. Can you continue to work here because of your faith? That might be some direction that we're headed. Remember those who are mistreated. Reach out to them. Help them. Support them. Verse 4, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. In the family of God, marriage is a picture of the love that Jesus has for his church. Marriage is a wonderful and beautiful thing and it goes back prior to the fall. Adam and Eve being knit together, being joined in marriage, being devoted to one another, loving one another. And how glorious and good and easy marriage would be apart from the fall. It is no easy road. I'm not setting marriage up here as like everybody's ultimate and final destination because those of you who are in it know it is just an, It's another place. It is an opportunity to show the love of God, to, to be humble, and also sometimes to show your own fallenness. It's an opportunity to show the grace and forgiveness of God towards us to our spouse. And there's times that we want to withhold that. We want to be angry with each other. He doesn't say everyone should get marriage, get, get marriage. I'm not sure where that might be a right way to say that, but He doesn't say everyone should get married because that's our destination. Remember, love is our destination. That's Christ-like. But he does say that those who are married should hold marriage. Well, everybody ought to hold marriage, whether you're married or not. Not yet or formerly. Marriage itself ought to be held in honor. He uses this word honor that elsewhere in the scriptures is used to talk about things that are very valuable. And here's where else this word honor is used. Talking about the blood of Jesus Christ. Talking about the love of God for his church. Honor, marriage. Let marriage be held in honor. Think of it very highly. Not trite, simple, cheap. But take the institution of marriage and hold it up as an honorable thing. And then let our actions, let how we prepare our kids for it, other members of our church, how we represent it and how we live in it for those of us who are married, let it be an honorable thing. Because that's what we're called to do. Not cheap, but honorable, costly, valuable. And let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. I read passages like this, and and, and you you don't have to go many books over, and you're going to see the same sort of idea. Don't be sexually immoral. Don't be sexually immoral. Don't be sexually immoral. And I know we look back, and we blame it all in the 1960s. If you were here in the 1960s, don't raise your hand, you know, but we all want to say it's your fault. How'd you let us fall off the deep end? Well, there might be some truth there, but the big truth is ever since Adam and Eve ate that fruit, this seemed to have been a problem. We don't have to go very far in Genesis before we see people bragging about multiple wives or sexual exploits. We get to Noah and we see the thoughts of of humankind are wicked continually continually we can go back to the beginning of human civilization and we see here some 2,000 years ago that they had problems like us in this area. Ours might be different. Ours might be a little, a, a little bit different with the voice saying sexual, not only sexual promiscuity. Is, is, here's what our culture says is the self is the king. Whatever pleases you, do it. And we all see how quickly that logic breaks down. Because if I'm going to please myself with someone else, now who's getting pleased? Is it me or is it them? Someone's going to get hurt. Our shows, our music, maybe some of our music, but our movies, they, they continue to show what we all want to see when it comes to to sexuality. Maybe we don't all want to see it. Actually, you shouldn't see it. But it sends a message that you can have sexual immorality with no consequences. It is only filled with consequences. It is only filled with consequences. The life of sexual immorality. The author names two things. Adultery, which breaks the marriage bond, which defiles the marriage bed, and sexual immorality, which, which is that word in the Greek for which we get porn, pornography. It, 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 it's just the category that encapsulates everything else. God is not against sex in marriage. He's made it glorious and wonderful and a gift for us to practice in marriage and work at. But anything outside of that is wrong it's unloving it's not becoming of the family of god and it's going to hurt other people not help or bless or love other people this is true of everything we might do certainly with someone else but it also includes pornography we have got to be a church that works hard at rooting out pornography it is i mean it's got to be the easiest thing to get way easier than any other time in human history because of our private devices and the ease at which we can look at this. I was looking up for for a time, our kids were involved in a Christian, similar to Boy Scouts, um, Trail Life is the name of it. We're not doing that at the moment just because of time constraints. We were looking for uniforms. Myself, my two boys, we were sitting on the couch, we had a laptop open and we searched for Trail Life uniforms. A picture of an inappropriate picture came up very inappropriate picture came up. Somebody had had figured out how to make it so when you Google for this, that this image would, would pop up. We didn't have to click on anything. It's easy, it's pervasive. It's going to come and put itself right in front of us and then I know from my past with an addiction to pornography, it's hard to stop. It is hard to stop. But being sons and daughters of our loving Father who forgives sins and gives us strength, what do we do with that? Maybe this is the thing that the Lord's saying, hey, I want to shine some light in this. Then walk with the Lord in that. Because you aren't kicked out of the family for sinning. You aren't kicked out of the family of God for sinning. You're in a bad place in the family if you go on wantonly sinning and not repenting. That's dangerous. If this area of sexual immorality is something for you, shine light on it. Confess it to God. You probably are confessing it already. Confess it to him and then find someone you trust and confess it to him or to her as it's appropriate. Get it out of the darkness and find help. By just shining the light of grace and the light of God and the power of the Spirit and the light that comes within the Christian family, shine light on it and move beyond that. I think you're going to find support. You're going to realize the love and forgiveness of your Father and you're going to find strength not only in the Spirit but also in your brother or sister or a small group that can walk with you through that. we got to work hard at that. We've got to take this seriously and work hard at this. This goes back to Matthew's Sermon on the Mount, the gouging out of eyes, the cutting off of hands, the take this very, very, very seriously and know that if you're a follower of Jesus, you're forgiven. And because we're forgiven, we're going to fight and we're going to root this stuff out with the help of our Father. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then he goes on in verse 6 and adds this. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You see where, where he's going in this passage. We as brothers and sisters operate as a family. So practice Philadelphia. Practice Brother, practice love for one another. That family kind of love. That, hey, we're in this. We might be a little odd. We might be not normal. We might be off a little bit. We got crazy Larry uncle over here. But we're going to love one another. And what does this look like? It means opening up our homes. It means opening up our lives. It means remembering, especially those in our family, that are places where we can't get to, so let's go to them as we can. Prison, let's remember those who are mistreated. Let's hold the marriage bed in high honor and let's root out the sin that so easily wants to come in and ruin our marriages or at least disrupt them. And then here he goes after another thing that so easily takes over in our lives and that's the love of money. Keep your life free from the love of money of money and be content with what you have wow is that the most anti-american thing we could ever say be content with what you have Hmm. Uh, now what do I do because everything in America is grow 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 bigger 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 more 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 right it's all right I think for some things to grow it's all right if we set some money aside and we see it grow. So what do we do here? Don't let money take over. You got You have to look at your heart. You have to look at your time. You have to look at what what you look to for support. And the Lord might even ask you, like he asked one gentleman, give it all away. Give it all away and follow me. That's not the command to all of us, but that might be the command. There might be something the Lord is nudging you on, and I encourage you, if it is, talk to somebody else about that. Why? Because a love that becomes higher than our love for our Father becomes idolatry. That's what Paul writes in Colossians. He says covetousness, desiring, desiring, desiring is idolatry. You and I don't think we we bow down and worship little wooden idols, because we probably don't. But we might be idolaters. And we gotta root that out. Be content. Be content. How do we know if we don't love money and if we're content? Is that you will see that you're kinda quick to give some money out. You gotta be wise, you gotta take care of yourself, and and if there's a family involved, you gotta care for your family as well. But do you see money going out to help others? Times might be tight and you might not be able to give much. But if you can give a little bit, those things are ways we can practically push back on money being our guide, being our control. How often do you check your savings account? How often do you check your 401k? Man, I worked with a guy uh, way back when I was an accountant. <clears throat> he, when I visited him, he would be checking his bank account, his, his 401k, every day. And I would go and I would say... How's your, how's your retirement looking? And he had it all calculated. So if his 401k was up, he only had to work three and a half more years. And I went by the next day. It was down a little bit. Oh, he had to work four more years. Then it went down quite a bit, and he had the dot-com bust way back, and he had to work quite a few more years. <laughs> I think money controlled him. Keep your life free from the love of money why man love other people love other people be wise money is a tool it's not your god it is it is never going to turn around and help you you can work all your life to make as much money as you can and it will never turn around and ask how you're doing it only wants more and our hearts can get trained to only want more. Keep your life from a love of money. The last thing, why? Why, why, why? Why can we live this way? Why can we do all these things? Why can we be so others-minded when, when, when we should be kind of protecting ourselves, making sure we have enough, is because we can trust that God will never leave us or forsake us. Do you believe that? You can't see him, but you do you trust that he has never in one moment left you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you took communion this morning and, and 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 he is your Lord and Savior, he has and never will leave you. He told his disciples this as he was on the mount and he said, go, take the gospel to all nations. I am with you now and will be with you to the end of the age. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll never forget about you. You'll never be alone. You'll always be remembered And you can always come to me. I will never leave you nor forsake you. When Joshua was getting ready to go into the promised land, pretty scary thing. There's giants in there. There's fortified cities in there. And we're kind of a wandering group of disobedient nomads. God says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forget you. I'm going to fulfill my promises. And brothers and sisters, that's what he's saying to you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. And then the author quotes this passage from Psalm 118, which I encourage you as part of the homework from this assignment, go back and read Psalm 118. It's one of the most quoted psalms in the New Testament as as people look at it and they grab passages. You'll see them. You'll read them. And you'll rejoice. But this author grabs this one. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do? do to me? Is that our posture? Is that our heart? If it is, we're going to be open-handed. We're going to be generous. We're going to practice hospitality. We're going to visit people that we normally wouldn't visit. We're going to root out sin in our lives. We're going to encourage one another in our marriages. We're going to make sure money doesn't control us, but money is used as it ought to be used for the kingdom and in the kingdom to care for those we love, and to bless those around us, and to bless strangers.